In a teacher's busy day of meeting the diverse needs of students, which involves instructing and assessing the important skills of reading, writing, and mathematics, arts education too often is not given the importance it ought to have, even though research and countless studies suggest the many benefits to music and art for our students. Art and music can enhance creativity and critical thinking skills. It creates cultural and personal connections, which enhances confidence and self-discipline. Arts education also helps to improve academic achievement in other subject areas and positively boosts brain development. In our ever-changing landscape of education, some suggest creativity, imagination, and critical thinking are as important as literacy and numeracy. In this episode, we talk with two educators who see this importance and are passionate about ensuring arts education is part of a student's school day. Time to get artsy as we deepen our understanding of arts education. Arts education, whether it is visual art, music, or drama, plays an important part of a student's school day. Many studies stress the importance and benefits of arts education for our students. We'd like to welcome Jen and Kaylee, two local educators who see this importance and the many benefits for our students. Welcome, Jen. Welcome, Kaylee. And thank you for joining us in this podcast. So let's start off by learning a little bit about you as an educator and how your personal and professional journey has led you to arts education. Let's start with you, Jen. Hello. Uh, great. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, I think for me, a lot of what I do and where I came from has a lot to do with the fact that I'm a Roman Catholic Métis of Anglican half-breed ancestry. So it's a mouthful, um, yeah. but by divine providence, I have the gift of art and culture is a huge thing for my people. And from my mom, I had that passion, that desire, the will, and the ability. And from my dad, I got the realism. So they combined into being an arts teacher. So have you been interested in art since you were a young girl? Like, or is it something that kind of evolved? This is going to sound really odd to say, and I tell this to my students all the time. I didn't have friends when I was little. None. I'm neuroatypical, so I'm on the autism spectrum. And because of that, I needed an outlet and art was that for me. Uh, I see it a lot in the the students that we get here. I see it a lot in the community and art was just a huge sigh of relief. It was Mm -hmm. a comfort and it was something that I could do that pulled my mind away from everything else and just rest. So when you started your, your educational journey as a teacher, was it with visual art or did it kind of make its way into your journey? I started off actually wanting just to teach history, native studies, um, anything in the realm of truth and reality. I think there's a huge background there that's understated in education when it comes to the history of Indigenous people. Um, It's not often taught correctly. And so that's where I wanted to start. Oddly enough, I started in what's called alt-ed, so teaching special kids special needs, and I loved it. And thankfully, from there, I got to move into the arts education uh, when the previous art teacher left. They had to fill the vacancy, and normally they just plop someone in, but they found somebody who actually had a skill in the arts this time. So that was nice. 
Right on. And currently you're working as an arts, visual arts educator? I teach visual arts and drama. And next year I'm moving to Carleton. So hopefully I'll still get to teach some art. And how about you, Kaylee? Can you share with us a little bit of your journey? Sure. Well, um, I, you know, took piano lessons as a child and it was something I really enjoyed and really blossomed in. Uh, and then, you know, for joined school band in elementary school and in high school, uh, I know we all go through our um, adolescent struggles. Um, but uh, the thing that that uh, kept me grounded um, through all of those changes that come at that per time in a young person's life was was my experiences in band and choir. Uh, so I, uh, yeah, it's it's just been the the thread in my life that's that's kept me kept me grounded. That's uh, helped me build deep relationships when I was a young person, and I always really admired my music educators. Uh, so everyone from my private piano teacher to my band director and choir directors, I just always really admired those people and the way they could do their work so passionately. So I knew, like just towards the end of high school, that uh, this was something that I wanted to do. And so, yeah, it's been pretty much on my mind right since the get-go. And have you been involved with music education throughout your teaching career? Yeah, I started doing uh, first year, like this is my 10th year teaching. And my first year was doing um, band in Prince Albert Catholic Schools. And I've been doing band and choir ever since. And I uh, love it so much that I just went and finished my master's in music education in 2019 uh, through Acadia University. So I just, yeah, yeah, really, really enjoying teaching kids music. <laughs> right on. Thanks. Thanks, you guys, for sharing that with us. All right. As teachers, most of us understand the importance of arts education and that it is critical to the development of students. But we also see that the arts is kind of the first thing to get cut all the time. And it just doesn't seem to get the attention that it deserves. I'm sure you both have strong opinions on this. <laughs> if uh, you guys would kind of like to share your thoughts on this and maybe if you could offer some alternatives that you could, that maybe school divisions might want to look at or even community-based programs. I don't know. Just whatever you guys think, feel free jump to in. share. <laughs> awesome. I'll, I'll jump in if you don't mind, uh, Jen. Um, I, uh, I, and I think especially, this is very true, obviously. And I think uh, we're seeing a lot of this in COVID uh, when it came to, you know, mitigating can we do band? Can we not do band? And we saw some divisions just like literally cut programs indefinitely. Um, and I have colleagues that are no longer have a future teaching uh, in their areas. So it's, it's often one of the first things on the chopping block when divisions are looking at um, budget cuts and stuff like that, because there is busing and things like that go into that go into traditional delivery of band programs. Um, I think, unfortunately, what we see happening in schools is a reflection of some of the values of our greater communities, right? And uh, less and less are we, we're less and less we're valuing uh, more of the softer um, ways of expressing ourselves, you know, and I think of our own community, we have a lot of hockey families and parents, and there's a certain things that are woven into our culture and, and people don't necessarily see the other parts that are enrich our lives. You know, even when I think of hockey as an example, you know, you don't go to a, a Raider game in Prince Albert without music blaring on the, on the, the system in between all the playing, right? And someone took a music class at one point in their life to be able to, to do that and to share that. So 
it's, it's a part of our lives and it's just, it's such a staple that we really take it for granted and um, people don't necessarily see the correlation. So unfortunately, I think we, there's a greater, a greater education piece in, in how music fits into our communities. And I think the other piece too, though, is that, um, that some of the traditional delivery methods in the areas of music education do need to be reevaluated. You know, when, when we talk about band in particular, it, you know, does band just mean 50 kids in a room playing wind instruments or can that have a broader sense? You know, and even the, there's been a lot of talk about representation of the types of music and, and traditionally that music's come from a Western background and uh, opening that up, you know, and, and playing music with a more diverse background, that kind of stuff. So I think part of it is on music educators too, to ensure that what they're doing is relevant and reflects uh, our, our communities. Sorry to go off there. <laughs> That's okay. The passion, hey, coming through. That's yeah, good. What do you sure. think, Jen, about that? Uh, it's interesting because I get it from both points. Um, some schools I see they have utter pitiful, just tawdry little arts programs, and it's sad. And then I'm grateful. To, uh, my budget has never been cut in my classroom and I have a healthy budget. Uh, it's embarrassing how much money they commit to ensure that these kids get a quality education. And when COVID came, I was so worried that because they were thinking about moving online, that my budget was going to be the first to go and it didn't. And it allowed for me to be able to actually send the supplies needed home to the kids. So kudos to Sask Rivers for that. Um, but as an art teacher, I, I'm realistic. I know that my budget is never going to be that healthy and I have to find alternatives. And so I will always advocate for a good chunk of the money if I can get it. Uh, but I've also collected cardboard boxes from recycling bins so that I could create art with these kids. Um, so it's a struggle. And knowing that, I don't see why the school division and why the government doesn't do more partnerships or why federal grants don't allow for more um, school-based programming because they have so much money in the arts. And if you're not a nonprofit or if you're not an individual artist, you can apply for those grants. Um, but interesting for the music, um, something that really as a Métis person made me proud is the Manitoba Métis Federation bought something like a hundred violins to send out to schools and individual families so that those kids could bring music into the home and into the school. And by bringing in that music, they brought in the culture of the Métis people too. Um, I would like to see the Métis Nation of Saskatchewan step up and buy violins for our schools, especially in the lower socioeconomics. St. Michael's, dear to my heart, I went there. They could benefit from getting those violins because it's Métis and First Nations kids who are going there. Um, but you don't see that partnership happening. And so the onus needs to be on the school divisions too, to step up and go out and get money, not just let it fall to the wayside. Or wait for it to come to them. Sometimes yeah. you have to find that money and it takes work and it takes dedication, but it's so worth it. So worth it, which kind of, you know, um, you know, we've talked about how important the arts is to our students is to us. I think really as, as people, as humans, so what benefits do each of you see for our students when engaging in, in the arts and music and visual arts and drama? 
You know, what is the benefit to our students? Why, why do we bother? How about you, Kaylee? What, what benefits have you seen that music has brought to your students? Um, lots, of course, but I, I see, you know, there's one of the reasons I'm such a strong advocate for music education is, is not only because like music is a nice thing that, you know, enriches the quality of life for everybody, but um, as a, as an academic subject um, for students from K to 12, uh, it's, it activates and um, engages so many different parts of who is what a student is, different parts of the brain, uh, different parts of learning, of you know personal values, of teamwork that really can't be replicated through any other medium, right? When you're looking at ensemble work, especially with a band or a choir, all the, the kind of interpersonal skills that are required, the self-discipline that's required to take that personal ownership for what you provide to the group and and vice versa. And then, of course, there's all that we know about how playing a musical instrument affects your brain um, and creates all sorts of cohesion between your right and left hemispheres, which there is no no other. The only other thing that activates your brain with all that kind of fireworks lighting up um, is, is language acquisition. Right. So we know that those same benefits that we get from students learning a second language, they can get in a music class. Um, but then they also have all the other benefits of um, the again, the interpersonal skills and the cultural historical background that can be shared and understood um, through the lens of, of music and, and all art, I would argue, right? It's, it's one thing to learn about the events of the past. Um, it's another to live through the emotions of someone that ex experienced what that was like. So uh, there's a whole empathy piece for other people living through other experiences in different times and I just looking at the the kind of growth that I get to witness, um, particularly as being in the high school for the past 10 years, um, students just really come to to know themselves and enter build deep relationships with each other because of the type of environment that they're in and the fact that their success is it's about a group success, you know, whereas in a, a other subject areas, it's much more about what you do as an individual and 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 pushing yourself to to do the best that you can do, but it's it's really about us and community and building all of that comes with that. So that would be my Coles Notes version of <laughs> why I think it's so important for our students. And how about you, Jen? What do you see as the benefit to our students in arts education? It brings out their life. You see that spark. Um, I love teaching art but I hate when kids come in and they're like, I don't have any skill. I can't do this. I'm not good enough. I can't make it. And I always reaffirm with my kids that as long as they follow the rules, you're not going to fail. Um, because that's how I've designed my program. It's not about, are you going to create a masterpiece? It's about, are you going to enjoy the process? And when kids are able to just enjoy the creative process, it builds up their self-esteem. And once they have that self-esteem being built up, they value their self-worth and the self-worth of others around here. I remember when I first started, kids didn't know how to take me. I'm a little different would be a nice way to put it. And a lot of the times the kids struggled to find that success. And then after a year, kids started saying, don't worry, Miss Brown teaches art. It'll be fine. I had kids move down from other high schools because they couldn't fit in socially within the school structure that they were at. And by coming to art and engaging more in therapy through art, they were able to find comfort in who they are and what they have to offer. And I think 
in the situation where I'm at right now, that's what they need. And I deliver it through art. So it's a lot of therapy and self-healing to build up their self-worth. And once they have that, then they can be contributing members of society. Because I always tell them, I don't want to hear about them being on welfare or going to jail. That's not a life option for them when they leave my art room. And they know that. And then I'll see them out in public and they're like, Miss Brown, I'm not on welfare. I got a job. And I'm like, good for you, buddy. Are you still doing art? And it's turned into a very therapeutic healing process for a lot of my students. And if they didn't have that, I know a lot of them would be in jail and a lot of them might not be here. And so when you turn your back on the arts, be it drama, painting, music, singing, you're turning your back on that child and what they have to offer. And it's a sad reality that the government fails to realize because art is prioritized for little kids and senior citizens, it seems, because they realize when you get to the old age end of it, that it starts firing those neurons again and gets those people back into some comfort and semblance of normal. So the government needs to commit fully from kindergarten to the time you die to ensuring that our people have art. And I don't care if it's drama, singing, music, painting, clay work, we need to have it um, to keep our sanity. And I think yeah. it's something that carries us out, carries us throughout our lifetime. Like, you know, I think of myself, I played volleyball in junior high. Well, guess what? After I was done grade nine, I don't think I picked up a volleyball again, except to have to be a coach as a teacher. Whereas, you know, you know, and I don't want this to be arts versus athletics and which one needs more money. But when I look at the arts and I look at our journey in life, I think in many ways art carries through our life journey, maybe more so than than some of the sports that we push so hard at out of the school level. That's yes. my opinion. You know, well, I just you sing to your babies and you sing to your kids when they're sick and you play them that music in the car and you sing along and you do arts and crafts at the kitchen table with them. And then you're doing that with your grandkids. You're not playing. You're not doing calculus. You're not, you know, trying to figure out what Newton's law was. You're enjoying your time. And that's what the arts does. So that whole circle. Absolutely. And on that, that note too, Lori, the other um, part of my work is, is at the community level too, right? With the Prince Albert concert band. And, uh, you know, I, I try to encourage my senior students at the high school level to come in and participate in that community ensemble. But the beautiful thing about looking at a community ensemble, whether it's community choir, or community band, is I've had, we have got people in their 80s. We've got people in their 20s. We've got people... You know, we've got doctors, we've got a, we've got a farrier, we've got teachers. Like it's a it's a it's a beautiful example of of community, and something you can do until your last breath. You know, like yes. it's yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Can you guys share some of your joys and challenges that you face as educators who support and encourage students in the area of arts? Maybe some, I don't know, going off what we were just finishing. Our last question, maybe some joys, some standout moments for you guys as arts educators. I recently taught kids to make puppets. Um, there's an example over there and one actually behind me. 
Uh, it was hilarious because they turned out like cranky versions of ourselves. Um, <laughs> but I do it to teach a life skill when I teach puppetry and it's so that they learn how to sew. And I had, this is the first time ever, I had more male students than female students in my drama class. They all learned how to hand sew and stitch and they even made clothing for their puppets. And it was a beautiful experience that kind of made me really excited, but I didn't want to overshare my enthusiasm because then the kids seemed to question my sanity. And now we have puppets just floating around our school having conversations, which um, actually changed the, like, the mental health of some of our other kids. So I think that's my joy this year is puppets and teaching kids how to sew. Cool. We'll have to, you'll have to send me a picture of those puppets. We can put it up, put it up on our platform for sure. How about you, Kaylee? Some joys? I, um, I love the way you worded this question because I feel like so many people, the antithesis of challenge is success, right? And I love, I just love that you went with joy. Um, cause when I think of the, the benefit of, of being a, a music educator, it's that joy and the, and the fact that I get to experience every single day, you know, and I think as teachers, you know, we get a little bit of that constantly, you know, every time a kid achieves something they couldn't before, or, you know, someone's happy to see you, <laughs> which, you know, is, is a blessing just seeing those, those faces light up for you, you know? Um, but I think one of the, the biggest joys and benefits for me um, is the, be it that, I, I have been the only music educator in the building and I get to be with these kids on their journey all throughout high school. Um, and for, for most arts and, and music teachers that, that ends up being a lot of the case, you know, like we get to be there with them at either their very beginning or, you know, that whatever point in their journey, grade nine, as it's been for me the last 10 years. And then you get to know them and you get to see them progress. And there's always that struggle uh, with those grade nines as they enter high school and they're looking at the social pecking order and they're trying to decide like, you know, is band worth it? You know, is, is giving up my social currency worth being in this room? And uh, so there's always that struggle with them at the get go. And, and usually it's, you know, early grade 10 and the grade nine when they start to see that the, the value of having a built in family of having a continuity in that room and all that it provides. And then those same kids that wrestle with me in grade nine to be like, oh, I don't think I actually want to be here or whatever are the same kids at the end of grade 12 that are, you know, writing pages of letters and in just tears, you know, boys and girls at the end of it all being like, I can't believe I'm leaving band, you know, and I'm like, yeah, you couldn't believe you were going to stay in band four years ago. So I think seeing that that transition of, I, I know why it's good for them, um, but they don't quite know why it's good for them yet. And uh, seeing them come full circle on that is, is definitely my biggest joy. Right on. Okay, so we know the reality as teachers is sometimes our teaching assignment isn't necessarily what we thought we were going to be doing, you know, what our majors and minors were. And, you know, when you're an elementary teacher, you just get to teach everything. So do you have any advice to educators who just feel that they lack the skills or they don't have the confidence to effectively teach art or music and yet they find themselves in this role? And I know I've had colleagues, you know, 
who I've got to teach music. I know nothing about music. So how can we encourage teachers to embrace the arts and not be tempted to just kind of push it to the side? What do you think, Kaylee? I have, yes. Uh, so <laughs> there's a loaded uh, just, question. There's a lot it's, here. Yeah. It's such a good one though, because I'm just going through my head you know, the amount of other co-workers in the division that have sent me those emails in September, you know, being like, ah, so I have music on my schedule. I've never done it before. Like, what can I do? Please help. Um, and I would say that would be my first piece of advice. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be another music teacher. It can just be someone that's really passionate about music, like period. Because the one thing I will say about the, uh, the K to eight uh, curriculum in particular is it, it's pretty open and I think uh, going at it authentically and uh, not being afraid to you know try new things and oh my goodness the one thing about COVID that is a bit of a blessing if I can choose one uh, is the amount of uh, content and material that's been generated particularly on YouTube uh, for music educators, whether it's like bucket drumming or body percussion, like there's so much creative things out there that you need no music background to be able to do. Um, I think of, and I know he'll, he'll probably not be super happy to hear me mention it, but like my husband, um, who's a musician, but never thought of himself as a music teacher was in that kind of situation a number of years ago. Uh, he was put into the spot where he was teaching music and he's like, I, you know, don't really know how to do this. Um, but he, uh, you know, found a way to take his, what he was passionate about and, and what made sense and what worked with the kids. And I know it's hard to gain the confidence when you don't have the the background and knowledge, but I think it's, it's not as intimidating as it seems. And that reaching out, I'd say is number one. And secondly, like you'd be surprised how much free and great resources uh, other people have made out there that is, is really accessible. Like it doesn't have to be, you know, you're not teaching the kids to play a symphony, um, but you can still give them something very valuable. And I don't even know if they would enjoy that to begin with. So uh, there's just, there's, there's lots of different uh, accessible ways to, to approach it. So I'd encourage people to try. So reach out to others and there's lots of great resources out there. Just got to do some looking. I think and just one step at a time, right? Like I know myself, Looking at the arts ed curriculum, I feel very overwhelmed by it. And I think I shy away from some outcomes because I don't want to mess them up. Like, just like, oh, man, I don't know. Like, i thinking of the First Nations one where you're supposed to be, I think, is it in kindergarten comparing? And I'm just like, oh, like, that one just feels really intimidating for me and I don't feel comfortable doing it so then what happens most of the time I'm just like you know do a short lesson on it or the SunTEP students come in and I'm like oh you guys can do some art like mm -hmm. yeah let's cover some art <laughs> but and I think the one thing on that though is that the idea is that also something is better than nothing yeah. Right. And I think right. people, because when they think, or if they've seen other music teachers, or they think of maybe what their music education was, and they're like, well, I can't do that. So I'm just, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do something else. Yeah. The idea that like attempting and trying something is always a better gift than, yeah. um, than nothing. <laughs> I think I need to go into this coming school year with the mindset of like, just one step at a time, like, yes. take it one try at a time and I can just email both of you if I'm really 
struggling with something. <laughs> yeah. Jen, you think, Jen? Yeah. Um, honestly, I think people need to remember that we're not teaching Albert Einstein. We're teaching often little kids or immature high school students. So you can fake it till you make it. And most people don't even think about that. But you're teaching a small mind who's maybe never done it before. Maybe you're not going to teach them 100% correctly, but you're giving them the basics. And so when I teach something new that I'm not familiar with, I always own up to it with the students. I tell them I'm not an expert. It's not my area, but we're going to try it. And I think a lot of the times when you're more forthcoming with the students about that, they're willing to make those mistakes with you. Um, interesting statement, get the SunTEP students to do it. They're not experts either. Yeah, I, I went to SunTEP and I heard that a lot. Um, we'll get the brown people to do it. And I'm okay with that because one, it's my last name. Two, I sometimes have brown skin. Um, so it works for me. But the reality is, if you want help, there's always going to be somebody who's willing to help you. And I think that's probably one of the most endearing qualities of an artist is that they give so much of themselves to everyone freely. And people just have to ask. Uh, Therese Giraud from St. Mike's, love her, because she'll always ask me if I'll come over and teach art. And I'll do it for free for that woman any day of the week. Um, because it's a passion. It's something I enjoy. I used to go to school there. And I think most artists are like that. They'll give back, especially when it's to kids. And other art teachers should be willing to help another teacher so that they can do the best for their students. And if they're not willing to help you, oh, Lordy, they got problems. <laughs> I think most educators, if they feel confident in that area that they do, are willing to to share and support each other. And I think all of us in some shape or form have that one little area that we feel confident about. And if somebody just asks us, we're more than willing to share. And I think Kaylee and Jen, you're a perfect example of that yeah. with, with art and music and, and putting yourself out there to help other educators for sure. I think, I think the other side of that and like maybe people's reluctance to ask is that we're all teachers. So we all know how busy life is, right? Trying to do our job well. But I think you're totally right, Lorianne. Like if somebody's new in early childhood, like I'm just like, yeah, I can help you for sure. And I love talking about early childhood education. I love sharing my resources with them. Like, of course I would do that way past my working hours because I love it and I'm passionate about it. And I think, but then like when it comes to asking, reaching out and asking one of you, then I'd kind of be like, oh, well, they're so busy anyways, because we're all busy. But I think you're right, Lorianne. And I think, Jen, you make a really good point that if it's your passion, then of course you're willing to share because you just want more people to know about it and also to be passionate about it with you, right? So I think that's a really important point and I will definitely remember that as I go back into the classroom in the fall. <laughs> I think the other thing too is, and it just came to me when Jen said expert, you know, we don't have to be experts. Um, I think sometimes, and we get a bit wrapped up with that in sometimes we don't recognize that there might actually be another little expert 
in the room. And when you can, when a kid has a passion in an area and you can give them the opportunity to share what they know, especially if it's something to do with uh, their culture or their background. Um, And I think of even my experience teaching general music, like teaching guitar, I I play like nine chords on the guitar. Like that's the extent of, of my, I'm a great like campfire strummer. That's about it. And I've had various times where I have 16, 17 year old boys showing up in my class that are like, you're going to teach me how to play guitar. Like I'll, I'll take you to school lady. Right. So, um, you, you can't, you know, like it's, it's like, I am certainly not the expert on, on this. There's other things I know about that I can help you with, but you know, I've had to navigate that relationship into more of a, a partnership, you know, and let's work together through this. I can, maybe I, I can't play, you know, like Axl Rose, but I can help you set your own goals. I can give you feedback on your next steps and stuff like that. So, and some of those experiences have turned into beautiful adult relationships with me um, after those kids graduate. So, but but my point being that um, we may have little experts in our rooms and when we can find, if those kids happen to be passionate about that thing, like if you're that, that, you know, grade four teacher that has music on your schedule and you're like, oh my God, like I know nothing about this. Like, let's just play music in the background and call it a day. But you could have, you know, some kid in there that's like been taking piano lessons for years and all they want to do is talk to everybody about how to play scales. So let them do it, you know, <laughs> like all the power to them. Absolutely. That's a good point. That is a good point. You know, our, our students can be a valuable resource too that I've, I never really thought of. So can you guys recommend any resources to support teachers in your, the areas, you know, whether it's visual art, drama, music, any go-tos, like you mentioned, Kaylee, YouTube with COVID reality has put some great stuff out there. Um, any other go-tos that you guys um, can recommend, whether it's a book, um, resources within our community? Somebody just to follow online, anything. Um, well, I, I know a lot of uh, band teachers have gotten into things like bucket drumming, uh, being at that we can't sing or play instruments here in Prince Albert yet. Uh, and I know there's a few Facebook groups um, called like bucket drumming for teachers and bucket drumming. And there's always really great things posted on there. Um, I know there's also a Facebook group on boom whackers as well. And I know those are really accessible entry level kind of things for non-music specialists to explore. Um but yeah, like, and when I say YouTube, I know it can also, with the blessing of all the COVID material, it's can also, it's a bit of an ocean to navigate through. Um, but that that would be my my suggestion for that. And most of my my books and resources I would recommend are very kind of band uh, specific. But as far as that, you know, general music situation, uh, there's a lot of Facebook groups out there for those types of things. So, yeah. Um, In terms of art, definitely, if you're not friends with Lana at the Man Art Gallery and you're needing to teach art, she's a lady you need to know. Um, The Man Art Gallery is phenomenal. They have an amazing art educator program. They're willing to come out, support, and assist in any way possible. So definitely, in terms of community, the Man is a good place to start. Leah Dorian, local artist. She loves to come out and share her craft, be it storytelling, painting, or her puppetry. So she's, I think, a good role model for Indigenous kids in the city of Prince Albert. Um, In terms of online videos, 
And this might come out bad, but I hate Pinterest. And I despise when kids come home and they're like, look what I did in art. And I'm like, I saw that on Pinterest. Um, <laughs> Pinterest is evil um, in terms of art because they give you a craft. And mm -hmm. arts and craft are two different things. So I would encourage anyone to actually just look at YouTube or even Facebook. Occasionally you'll come up and they'll have somebody who will show you the proper techniques in three minute videos. You just push pause and you can work through it with the students because it'll show you how to properly hold the pencil, how to properly hold the paintbrush. And it's free, which is the greatest thing about it. Teachers pay teachers. I know a lot of people go on there to find it too. Um, but their outcomes don't always match up with the Saskatchewan curriculum. So that makes it a bit more difficult. And then if somebody seriously just wants help teaching Indigenous arts to their students, give me a call or send me an email and I'd be happy to do what I can because Indigenous arts as a practice, if it's not being taken advantage of, it's being done incorrectly uh, without an honest integrity or spirit of intent behind it. And that just crushes my soul when I see people do that to other Indigenous artists in the visual arts realm, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so before we finish up, uh, Kayla and Jen, Kaylee and Jen, Okay, before we finish up, uh, do you have anything that you would like to share? Perhaps any projects you're working on professionally or personally that encourage arts and education or even just within our community? Got anything on the go right now? A shout out or anything? Did you want to go first? Because I know you have a CD. Oh, yeah, sure. sure. I was trying to think of like how dismal my classroom is right now as far as music making. And that's all that's going through my head is like I actually have nothing on the go. But I guess, yeah, so personally, um, one, of my, one of my ways through COVID with, um, like I, when, when I, we were talking about the joys of, of what we do, uh, my, my work has filled my cup for 10 years. And it's been wonderful to love my job, every little piece of it. And I know sometimes uh, people in the community have looked at, at what I do and they think I'm nuts and, and it must be hard to do all that extra curve. It must be hard and this and that. But it's I, I've, I've loved every absolute second and moment of it. So with all of that being on pause this year, um, I, I knew I would have to find a way to make music with people and to kind of share my story and what I was going through and all that kind of stuff. So that unfolded into an album uh, that I released over the Easter break, actually, at the Rawlinson, which was... Yeah, it was good. Uh, it was nice to kind of go revisit that part of myself as an artist because that's something I really kind of tucked away um, to to really figure out this whole teaching gig. So it was nice to revisit as this kind of new mom teacher, older person. At the <laughs> I'll put it that way. So uh, that was exciting. Um, but the one thing that I I I did kind of want to put out there is um, not necessarily anything I'm doing in particular, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I've been pretty self proud and impressed with some of the innovative <laughs> projects and, and ways of delivering music education that I've, I've been kind of forced to navigate through this year. But uh, I, the, the creativity and, and drive and passion 
that I have seen in my my colleagues throughout this province to keep uh, band and choir alive in a time when it's it's been the one thing uh, absolutely most devastatingly affected by COVID nineteen in schools is it's it's been remarkable. And uh, I'm hoping that some of the the creative processes that have come out of that continue, you know, like I, I did a lot more composing with my kids this year, which I would have never done before because we'd be focusing on, on getting our rep ready for festival and performance and stuff. So it did cause for pause and, and to step back and look at the other parts of musicianship that maybe we don't get the time to explore both me personally, but same with my students, just because we're, you know, preparing for the next performance or festival and that kind of stuff. So there's been some good out of it and, I uh, hope that that continues going forward. Is your CD available if somebody is interested in getting getting one? Yeah, my um, well, so I'm I'm on all the streaming platforms. So if you're on Spotify or Apple Music or Amazon Music and you like to stream, I'm I'm there. Uh, but my website, Case Skamorowski, so that's K S K O M O R O W S K I dot com, um, and all there's links there to uh, the CD, the vinyl. Um, and some merch and stuff like that, and uh, some other exciting things uh, in the works with that. So if people wanted to follow me there, um, all my my socials are linked up to my website too. So right on. We'll include that information with our podcast as well. Sweet. And how about you, Jen? You got anything on the go you want to share? I I'm like to think that I'm a modest person. Uh, it was actually Father Travis who said podcasts are for shameless self-promotion and that's that's what I took away from his conversation with me prior to this call so I was like I'm not good with shameless self-promotion and so he was like here are some things you can mention and so during COVID I created three coloring books I'm almost done my fourth which will be the Saskatchewan Métis coloring book I started a red bubble store and I've been selling various products out of that. But the thing I'm most proud about is I got a commission from King George School to do a teepee for them and some banners, which was fun. And I thought it was done. And it's turned into a thing for Sask Rivers. Some of their elementary schools are going into a clan system. So it's resulted in a lot of extra work for me doing commissioned art pieces and I'm quite proud of that because it'll be in three schools for our school division. So that's my highlight. And that's so awesome for our students to, to see your work before they go on into the high school, right? Like, I think that is awesome. You guys you got have, lots on the go. Yeah, you guys have been very productive in COVID, both of you. Well, thank you so much, Kaylee and Jen, for your time and sharing with us your thoughts on the topic of arts education, the important topic of arts education. Perhaps, hopefully, we've encouraged some educators to get a little more artsy in their teaching practices. Thanks again.